On this week's edition of Talking Cinema, I will be diving into the second installment of the Mighty Ducks franchise, where we see our beloved heroes take on the national stage of the Junior Goodwill Games competition in California, which features much tougher and stiffer competition than they ever faced in the Pee Wee Hockey Leagues in the first film. All of this and more on this week's edition of Talking Cinema. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another fun-filled edition of Talking Cinema with your host, myself, Christoph Hankerson. And I am so excited to bring you another fantastic episode. Once again, I'll just start off by saying, if you enjoy what you've listened to over the last several months, weeks, days, almost a year, you can feel free to go on Facebook and like our Facebook page. It is Talking Cinema with Christoph Hankerson. Pretty easy to find. And also, if you enjoyed the, listening to the podcast, whether this is your first time listening to us or you've you know been listening and perhaps it slips your mind to do this, please, wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether it be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I'm on all the major podcasting platforms, please, please, please hit the subscribe button and you will get these episodes delivered to your inbox every single week. I really enjoy doing this. It's become a hobby of mine and a passion of mine, delivering podcasts. It's something, I stated this in the very first episode almost a year ago, but it's something that I had wanted to do for for years, some kind of podcast. I have many passions. They call me a renaissance man because I'm so knowledgeable and so passionate about the things that I love. And movies is obviously one of the big ones, which is just, you know, why we're here. And, 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 and it's really cool. You know, I'm still obviously working on, you know, growing the audience at this point in the game, but it's hard to believe. I recorded the first episode of this podcast in May, and here we are, middle of March. You know, a couple months from now, we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of this podcast. And, you know, it's, this has just been a lot of fun to do every single week give the world, not just America, but give the world a slice of what goes on in my mind, what I think about certain films. And, you know, I, I'm thrilled to bring you, I'm thrilled to bring it to you every single week. And you know, I'm going to keep doing this as long as I can, as long as there's movies to be talked about and discussed and dissected and criticized, I'll be here right there with you every single step of the way. All right, folks, and now, without any further ado, let's dive into today's subject. So, obviously, last week, we discussed the original Mighty Ducks film, which is the classic, and this week, we're going to talk about the sequel, which, in my opinion, is one of the few sequels that is actually somewhat better, or at least I think, is better than the original. And growing up I feel like I definitely watched the first one a ton but I want to say I loved Z2 a whole lot because it took them out of the confines of Minnesota and allowed them to explore the wonderful and sometimes you know dangerous <laughs> now not really in this film no there's no real danger in this film at all a little reference for you there figure it out if you figure it out message me what that was but anyways take them to the wonderfully delightful and hot world of California. Yes, D2 the Mighty Ducks. So obviously, to recap a little bit of the events of D1, Gordon Bombay is arrested for UI since 200 hours of community service, 
hates hockey, hates kids. Eventually he grows to not only love hockey again, he grows to love kids in the process and grows close to the captain of the team, captain of the Ducks, Joshua Jackson's character, Charlie Conway. And Charlie ends up being a folk hero in that film and delivering what I believe to be one of the finer sports scenes in sports movie history. Charlie Conway, one, two, three, triple D. He shoots, he scores. The Ducks are the champions. They break the Hawks and seemingly endless streak. They are the champions. Yeah, we are the champions, my friends, as is played by Queen. I know I didn't mention this last week. So there's ver- there's different versions of the original Mighty Ducks film. In one version, I believe, I don't think this was theatrical, but I believe on the home video version, there's one version that when Charlie scores the winning goal, you hear we are the champions. That's the version that I had growing up. That was on my VHS tape. But there's also another version out there. And this version actually is, is the one that tends to get played on like TV, HBO, Disney Channel, and whatnot. But there's the version where after Charlie scores the winning goal, you just hear the, the, the score. The score is played in the background. And also the end credits are different. On one version, which this is the version that I grew up with, you hear, you know, obviously you heard We Are the Champions. Then you hear We Will Rock You. And we are the champions once again reprised in the in credit scene. The other version, instead of playing, you know, we are the champions. We will rock you by Queen. Okay, they do play a snippet of "We Will Rock You" towards the end before you see Cinderella's castle and you know Walt Disney Pictures at the at that point. But for the most part, winning it all by the outfit, which is an amazing song. By the way, I love that song. It's it's one of my favorite songs to play after I've I've triumphed over seemingly insurmountable odds the way the Ducks did against the Hawks in this movie. But winning it all by the outfit is played in the end credits. And also, I would be remiss if I didn't say this, but you know, being being Chicago sports fan, the Dynasty, at least when their games were played on NBC in the early 90s, okay, yes, I get it. I'm young. You know, I wasn't even born yet. But I mean, if you're if you if you're truly a fan of your team, you're going to want to know their history and as much of their history as possible. And so, when the Bulls were winning championships, you know, getting getting their you know and and getting their three peats and everything, you know, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, P.J. Armstrong, Bill Cartwright, Greg Hodges. I mean, when John Paxson hitting the winning shot against the Suns in game six of the 93 finals. But every single year, at least for the first four championships that they won, specifically that first three-peat, the same song that you hear at the end credits of the original Mighty Ducks film, Winning It All, was played during the final game. After, after, after all the dust was settled, after the trophy presentation and celebration and awarding the finals MVP, which went to Michael Jordan all those times, for all that was done, winning it all will be the last thing you'd hear as they're playing the video highlight package of the best moments of the finals. Back when the NBA was actually worth watching and very exciting, this is what we'll play. So I know there was a little bit of a rabbit trail there. And obviously, you know, this isn't a sports podcast, it's a movie podcast. But, you know, with me being a sports fan as well as being a fan of movies, you know, it's kind of cool to see the worlds converge and the worlds collide and 
I just thought that I just thought I'd throw that out there. I'm sure there are a lot of you out there listening that said, "Yeah, I remember this." But anyways, I thought I would refresh your memory with that. So after all of those wonderful events transpired, if you remember correctly, Coach Bombay, you know he, he's got the team lined up as he's getting ready to board a Greyhound bus. <laughs> Talk about a blast from the past boarding a bus. Who does that anymore? Most people just fly to their tryouts or f- fly everywhere. At least pre-COVID, some people drive. Anyways, neither here nor there. Coach Bombay's got the team lined up. You know, they're saying different things to him, giving him advice after he coached them to the championship. Saying, you know, coach, we'll take it from here. Well, you know, we're going to take all the things. You know, one of them said, you know, don't take any bad dives out there. You know, keep your head up. <laughs> Remember, strength, not concentration. I think Fulton Reed said that. Anybody else? And then obviously the touching moment. You know, he, he grew close to his team. But obviously, you know, Charlie was was like a became like a son to him and you know Charlie viewed coach Bombay as kind of like a father figure in his life of course you know he dated his mom <laughs> in the film and you know he says you know hey have fun out there coach and of all of them he's the only one that gives him a hug and then obviously he gets a kiss from his mom and he says all right ducks no matter what happens we'll see you next season we got a title to defend and here we are thinking okay what's d2 going to be about you know credits roll that's the end we probably are going to get a second movie. You know, Disney just wants us to capitalize on the cash cow. Well, we got that second movie, ND2, The Mighty Ducks, was released in the ever-packed year for Disney of 1994. And why do I say that? Why do I say that? Well, if you look at the calendar year for Disney, that might have been one of its more profitable years. First of all, highest grossing animated film of all time, at least up until for, for almost 20 years, the highest grossing animated film of all time was The Lion King, came out in the summer of 94. Then later on, one of the highest grossing holiday films of all time came out in November of that year, The Santa Claus, starring the one and only Tim Allen, who also at that point in time had the number one movie, number one book, and the number one television show. Disney was very profitable. That was its most profitable year. Some other notable films that came out in 94 from The Mouse House, another one of my favorite sports movies of all time, Angels in the Outfield, Iron Will came out that year, uh, and, and so many great films. But D2 The Mighty Ducks was kind of sandwiched in between all of those successes. And, you know, it, it, it was released to a modest budget. You know, critics didn't really like it as much. But fans, myself included, have you know grown to love this film. And a lot of us even think that it's you know better on some level than its predecessor. And we'll get to that just momentarily, but obviously in this film. So it pretty much picks up right where the original left off. You know, once again, we have a montage only this time, you know, the opening montage in the film, it's not quite as dark as the opening montage from the first film, you know, where, you know, the coach is like, all right, Gordon, it's up to you. I don't want to see, you know, miss the shot. You're not just letting me down, you're letting your team down. Okay. He's defeated that. He's conquered that monster. He's faced his coach one-on-one. He's gotten his redemption. Ducks win. Ducks fly together. Flying V. They're Pee Wee champions. This one's a little bit more. It kind of delves into, okay, you know, we obviously know that Gordon Bombay learned everything he learned about the game, you know, how to love it, how to play it from his dad. And we kind of see that a little bit more in that opening scene Familiar to you, the kid who played little Gordon Bombay was in the movie First Kid with Sinbad a few years later. But needless to say, um, 
you know, we, we kind of see that we, we paralleled with, you know, his dream as a kid was to play in the NHL. And obviously, you know, twist of fate, you know, those dreams were squandered. They were squashed. His dad died. They kind of grew a little disenfranchised with the game. But the Ducks brought him that renewed spirit and love of the game. And, you know, he's playing for the mini haha waves. <laughs> Tells you how many times I've seen the movie. I know what fictional semi-pro hockey team he was playing for. You know, he's seems like he's gotten back to that scoring machine that he was as a peewee hockey player, you know, taking over every game, you know, maybe getting a few hat tricks here or there. And then it happens. Something that's, I mean, there's a reason why they say going into sports for your life is risky if you don't have something to fall back on now. Luckily for Coach Warden Bombay, he kind of had something to fall back on. Two things. He could either go back and be go back to Minneapolis and be a lawyer, or he could go back to coaching hockey again. He had both of those options. Not like he was a complete dummy. He didn't have a college degree or anything like that. He had a good-paying job, which more than likely had him making six figures a year with the lawyer, or he could you know, some somehow find a way to do both, be a lawyer and coach the kids again. And needless to say, he gets checked really hard on the boards, serious knee injury, pretty much dashed all hopes he had of making it to the NHL. So what does he do? He comes back to Minnesota, you know, rounds up, he has Charlie round up the Ducks, and all of a sudden, opportunity knocks in the form of Hendrick Sports Apparel. You know, the spokesperson for Hendrick says, you know, you coach the Ducks at the Junior Goodwill Games. We will give you this, that, or the other. We'll give you anything you want. Endorsements, commercials, you name it. We'll put your team on a Wheaties box, which in the movie that actually happens, the Ducks actually get plastered on Wheaties box. And yeah, but then obviously along the way, Coach, Coach Bombay kind of forgets what the game is all about. He told the Ducks in the first film, you know, games should be fun. But like a lot of us, sometimes we let success or we let, you know, dollar signs get in the way of what's really important. That's really what happened to Coach Gordon Bombay in, in, in this film. You know, he was making, he's probably seeing more money than he'd ever seen in his life before. You know, he got caught up all in the glitz and the glamour, the fast-paced lifestyle of California, had a really nice, you know, while his team was obviously staying in the dorms, he had a really, really, really nice beach house in Malibu. And, you know, he kind of let all that go to his head. You know, he, he he failed to remember. It's like, okay, it's only a game. You know, yes, we want to compete to the highest level possible. And yes, we want to win. If we know we can win, we want to win. But that's not everything. The kids got to remember that it's a game that we, in, in all the midst of competition, we in all the midst, in the midst of, you know, giving it our all, giving it 110%, holding nothing back, leaving it all on the ice. We cannot forget that it's still a game. We still have to have fun and that they're only teenagers slash kids. So brilliant, you know, great movie. I believe they, I definitely believe that they amped up the hockey action and they also, this film is notable for bringing in a bunch of new faces. So obviously a lot of the original ducks, except for five got to go on. Um, you know, the ones that return, Charlie, Adam Banks, Averman, 
Connie, Gee, only one half of the Hall brothers return. And, you know, I'm, there's been several theories out there that the Quack Attack podcast, which if you really love the Mighty Ducks movie, and I mean love the films like I do, it's the reason why I'm reviewing them. I highly recommend you listen to the Quack Attack podcast. They are also available on all major podcasting platforms. They do a wonderful job of not only dissecting the movies, but they bring on you know a bunch of brilliant guest stars that have you know, starred in the films. They do a much better job of discussing fictional aspects of the Ducks better than most fandoms do at writing fan fiction. They do it well. So highly recommend listening to them if you really love the Ducks films. But I will say this, I will say this. So yeah, I was I was saying all the Ducks return. You know, one of the Hall brothers, only Jesse, who's played by Brandon Adams, we also know as Kenny the Nunez and the Sandlot, you know, he came back. So those, those are the main ones. And then, of course, Greg Goldberg, you know, he comes back. And Fulton Reed, you know, they're the only ones that came back. Unfortunately, Terry Hall did not come back. Tammy and Tommy Duncan did not return for this. And neither did Dave Karp, or Dave Karp, played by Aaron Schwartz, who played Jerry and Heavyweights, and Peter. They were, I'm guessing the producers were like, okay, yeah, they were, okay for the first movie, but we didn't really need them returned for the sequel. So we're going to write in brand new characters to kind of, you know, replace them, be their counterparts. And that's exactly what they did. So, okay, the Duncan kids, Tammy and Tommy, they were figure skaters that, you know, got recruited to play hockey. So what do they do? They recruit a figure skater to kind of replace both of them in the form of Ken Wu. And all right. So they're also, they're missing kind of, kind of a goon. You know, Peter was kind of, you know, short wannabe thug character. But what do they do? They bring in someone that's much bigger and pretty much is at Portman's, or excuse me, he's at Bolton Reed's level. So it's like, okay, you know, they're the Bash Brothers, the Enforcers, Dean Portman, Bolton Reed, and they bring in, they bring in Dean Portman, who incidentally was voiced by Aaron Lore. And fun fact about Aaron Lore, aside from him playing Dean Portman in D2 and D3, The Mighty Ducks, he was also the singing voice of Max in the original Goofy movie. So it's like, not only can this guy, you know, be an awesome hockey player that smashes guys and checks guys on the boards and is an enforcer, but he also can sing. That's really cool. Multifaceted. Love it. And obviously they needed a backup goaltender and where Goldberg was weak, Julie the Cat Gaffney, who was also in Rookie of the Year, was strong. So Julie the Cat Gaffney ends up being the backup goaltender to starter Greg Goldberg. And rounding out the replacement ducks, we have Rancher Dwayne Cowboy, Dwayne Robertson, and the legend himself. In another, in another universe, he's Benny the Jet Rodriguez, but in the Mighty Ducks universe, that's right. He is Luis Mendoza, who, like Fulton Reed in the first movie, kind of similar. Okay, he knew how to skate. Fulton didn't know how to skate. Luis knew how to skate, but he just couldn't stop. That was his weakness as a hockey player. He could skate, but he couldn't stop. So there we are. We've got our starting lineup. The Ducks are ready. They're poised, ready to compete. And then, boom. They slice it up with the meanest, baddest, nastiest team you could ever think of. So it's really funny. They could have gone with the Soviet Union. They could have gone with the 
Czech, Czech Republic. They could have gone with one of those two countries that are that actually, they could have gone with Germany even. They could have been the big baddies in this film, but no. Disney's like, let's make Team Iceland the big bad villains in Mighty Ducks 2. Let's make them the bad guys and let's, you know. <laughs> and okay, they, they're pretty intimidating. And I mean, when, when you compare, so I will obviously talk about D3 next week, but there is no comparison here. When you look at all the, the antagonistic hockey teams that the Ducks had to deal with in the first movie, okay, little peewee hockey hawks, you know, McGill, Larson, Coach Riley, they were somewhat immature, childish, especially the kids. Team Iceland basically makes the hawks look like little first grade, second grade preschool kids and they make the the antagonist in the third movie the eden hall academy varsity squad makes them look like nothing more than a bunch of preppy punks that is how bad team iceland was and that is how good they were of all the movies they were the ones that probably villain they probably hurt the ducks the most on the ice i mean Okay, yeah, sure, the Hawks destroyed the Ducks in that first meeting in the first film, but it's like they they were they weren't at full strength. They weren't the team that they were that they would become at the end of the movie that actually won the championship. D2, it's like, okay, you know, much better, much stronger team. They have all the confidence in the world. They're like, okay, we can win a Pee Wee Hockey Championship. Yeah, we're gonna have to work much harder, but we could definitely conquer the world in America. And sure enough, they did. And this is also the film, aside from giving us an amazing, amazing villains in the, for, with Team Iceland, this is also the movie that was kind of, I would say, a launching pad for Kenan Thompson's career. I mean, when you, when you look at Kenan in that film, he was only, at that point in time, I think he was about, okay, he was the older, one of the older members of the Ducks. I think he was the oldest one on the team. He was about 17 or 18 at that point in time. But he really, his career hadn't taken off yet. I mean, he hadn't really done his, hadn't had a stint with all that. I think all that. So this movie came out in the spring of 94. I want to say all that came out um, fall, winter season of 94. So he does all, so he did this. So this was the launching pad for his career because obviously, you know, he was in all that. Then he eventually got his own show, you know, Keenan and Kel. Both are hilarious. Both were watched by me. You know, every Saturday night meant one thing. Saturdays was just an awesome day for television. You, know, you had Saturday morning cartoons, you know, I'd watch stuff and I'd watch Power Rangers, you know, X-Men animated series, Batman animated series. I watch all that stuff. I kind of flipped between the channels, but you know, I got I got had my core shows in you know, Animaniacs, watched all that stuff in the morning, did whatever in the afternoon, maybe played video games, went to the park, you know, and played on the trampoline, whatever. But when it was it was that it was at night. It was one of the only times of the week I could stay up and watch television. Eight o'clock came. It was time for SNCC, which is basically an acronym for Saturday Night Nick. And all that and Keenan and Kel were like two of the main like flagship shows for that programming block. And, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. After his success with Nickelodeon, he obviously started Good Burger, had a few cameo roles and some films after that. And then, boom, you know, he's Mr. SNL now. You know, when you look at Keenan Thompson, obviously, for those of us that are 90s kids like myself that grew up watching him in this stuff, we feel old now because we feel like we've watched all of Keenan's career. I mean, he's been on SNL for almost 18 years. He's the longest tenured member in the show's now 46-year history. 
and he has no signs of leaving. He's, he said he's not going to leave the show yet. And now he's got his own, I haven't checked it out yet, but he's got his own television show on NBC called Keenan, where he himself, Keenan Thompson, is playing a dad. This is the same Keenan Thompson that got his start. I mean, we all, I mentioned his Nickelodeon stuff, but he also worked with Disney. Might have been one of the only kids in the industry that worked for both Disney and Nickelodeon because those guys were competitors in the 90s. I mean, they were competing for like rating supremacy, like which kids network and eventually Cartoon Network got involved in the mix. It's like Cartoon Network, Disney, Nickelodeon, who has the best shows? Who has the higher ratings? You can't have our talent. But Keenan, it was Keenan was like, forget all this. He was in D2 and D3 The Mighty Ducks, played Russ Tyler. Not to mention, he was in heavyweights as well. And probably one of the most one of the most important scenes in the film, or probably one of my favorite scenes in the film. There's a lot of great scenes in this movie, but probably one of my favorite, maybe my favorite scene in the entire movie is when you know he's kind of he's kind of antagonized the ducks, especially Jesse Hall. Like they're going at it at the game, and then eventually, like when they're warming up at the track meet, because coach wasn't there, he's like, you know, they're really getting at it. And he's like, no, I'm sick and tired of Team USA being represented by a bunch of whining babies. And then boom. He's like, why, why, don't you, why don't you come play some real hockey? <laughs> it's like, it ain't that far. It's like, they so they basically, they go to the hood. And you know, Russ's older brother says, you know, my brother Russ says, he says, you, you've you been choking big time. And he said, and Jesse, not being afraid at all, said, well, your brother's got a big mouth. And then obviously the other kids are like, uh-oh, he's opened up a can of worms. He's like, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> so they showed him how to play like team, real team USA. And, and during that whole scene, yeah, it's where the Ducks are playing street hockey and learning how to be tougher so they can beat Iceland. Woo! There it is. <laughs> it's playing in the background by Tag Team. And I would say that that was probably my generation's intro to that song. Granted, we heard the clean version. It was still my generation's intro to that song, which amazingly has been reincarnated in the form of a Geico commercial. And yes, even though my insurance is with State Farm, Geico does a pretty good job of marketing their stuff and bringing tag team back just kind of every time I hear that song, it, it's, it plays often on television or when I'm watching something on Hulu, it's like, boom, boom, there it is. Tag team. Just And, and I'm, my mind is immediately taken back to this movie, to this sequel. And like I said, this is one of those, one of the few sequels that's better than the original film. I mean, I can only think of a handful. I... I thought Aliens was better than the original Alien, and I thought T2 was better than the original Terminator. I personally enjoyed... Uh, uh, those, are, those are the only two that I can think of at the moment. You know, Back to the Future Part 2 was about as good as the original, in my opinion. I thought Temple of Doom is on the same level as Raiders of Oh, yes! Empire Strikes Back is the gold standard of all Star Wars films, was a sequel, better than the original, and it's pretty much the best of all 11 films. But really, there only are, are a handful, in my opinion, of sequels that are better than the original. And D2 The Mighty Ducks was definitely there. I mean, they amped up the hockey action. You know, they put them on the national stage of the Junior Goodwill game so they could really prove their worth as a team. It's like, how good are you really? How good are, are the Ducks really? They put them on that stage. You know, I think the coach, you know, Coach Riley was a bad dude. But, oh, man. Oh, man. Coach Stanson. I mean, his name was Wolf the Dennis Stanson. He punched, he said in the movie, he punched more teeth than gold. I mean, he just looked intimidated. In fact, fun fact about his hairstyle. So he had his hair kind of slicked back to make him, you know, look more evil, look like a villain. He basically got that from 
then Lakers coach Pat Riley. And so, and gotta love all the cameos in this movie, aside from having a, a wonderful antagonist and you know faster hockey action. Gotta love all the cameos in this movie. I mean, at one party, Coach Gordon Bombay. I mean, he's rubbing shoulders with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, he's and legendary hockey players Cam Neely, Chris Chelios, and Luke Robitaille. It's like wow. <laughs> I love I love the scene of the party where it's like okay, he's talking to these hockey players, and then boom, this tall basketball player is like towering over all of them. And I thought Cam Neely was a pretty tall guy. And dumb and dumber, but it's like, whoa, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is bigger than them. And I believe Christy Yamaguchi made a, a cameo in this appearance in this film. And then the one and only, I do not, I, I don't even want to know how much money Disney paid Wayne Gretzky to be in it. But the great one himself, Wayne Gretzky, made a cameo appearance in this movie. And yeah, it's amazing. So perchance. Mighty Ducks Game Changers does premiere, doesn't premiere until next Friday. So you got plenty of time. But for, if perchance you have not watched the original film, I or if you haven't watched the sequels, but you have seen the original film, please do so. And if you perchance haven't seen any of the films, watch all three of them. I highly recommend them. And yes, I love D2. And you know, you really couldn't ask for a better sequel. They got the whole world to quack, not just Minnesota, but they got the whole world to quack. And they showed the whole world what duck power really, really means. Great film. All right. We're going to take a short break. We're going to be back to wrap things up right after this. So don't go anywhere. Well, that's all the time we have for our show this week for Talking Cinema. This is your host, Christoph Hankerson, saying goodbye and see you next time.